I feel like chronic illness and my garment making are really intertwined. Being able to make my own clothing is like beautiful and self-expressive, but it's also a form of accessibility. Being able to make cool clothing that I like with an elastic waist or that's like adjustable in size while still also being like cute and fun and things that I enjoy wearing is really a gift. Yeah. And welcome to another episode of Vicarious, a podcast that dives into the creative minds of me, Alex Scott, and me, Karen White, and anyone else who will talk to us. And today that person is Kaya Kurz. Kaya is a mixed-race Japanese-Canadian garment sewist, arts worker, and musician living on stolen Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh lands. Born and raised in the Lower Mainland of BC, she attended Capilano University and received a Bachelor of Music in Jazz Studies in 2020. In the music world, she makes up one-third of the indie folk band The Shorties, who are set to record their debut EP this coming winter, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. In addition to her musical endeavors, Kaya is also an avid self-taught garment sewist. For Kaya, garment making sits at the intersections of sustainability, self-expression, self-love, and fat liberation. Puff sleeves, gathered skirts, gingham prints, and linen comprise the majority of her homemade wardrobe. If you want to see her makes, follow along on Instagram at Kaya underscore sews. Welcome, Kaya. Hi. Hi. I didn't realize how wordy that bio was. Oh, <laughs> oh not no. at all. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. It's actually quite succinct. <laughs> okay, yeah, nice. Actually. I was like going through and trying to edit it and I've, yeah, I feel like my life has changed in the last little bit. So I was going and like editing an old bio and being like, how do I make this representative of like who I feel like I am right now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anytime you have to write a bio about yourself, it's hard, you know, when mm. you kind of are always going back to old bios. Yeah. I'm like, does this still hold true? Should I scrap it? Do I just tweak it? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very confronting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's uh, similar to like, as soon as someone's like, what's your favorite song? And you go, I've never heard a song. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, music. What? Yeah. I actually have no idea. <laughs> I hate that. Or if they ask you to sing something as a singer, do you ever get that? Oh my God. One time I was in an eye exam and he asked like what I did for work. I was like, I'm a, like a singing teacher. And he's like, really? Can you sing me a song? And I sang a song to my eye doctor while he was looking into my eyes. It was very weird. That was oh so strange. Anyway, anytime I've had that happen, I just <laughs> tell people that I charge for that. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. That, that was I go, ha ha, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the last time I mm -hmm. succumbed to that pressure. Yeah. So Kaya, what is one creative thing that you did for the week? Mm -hmm. I've been sewing a lot lately, but one of the things that I made is a shirt that I'm I'm wearing. Yeah, yes. and so. listeners go over to the Instagram to check out the photos from the, mm -hmm. this week's episode. It's a beautiful. I don't know. I guess like yeah, just you talk about it. Yeah, you yeah. talk about it. But it's a beautiful. <laughs> I'll just I'll describe it the way I could in my kind of like layman's term. But it's a beautiful red blouse with like really gorgeous gathered sleeves with that have like a little bit of a slit. <laughs> And yes. a boat neck. Yeah, that I'd say that that's very accurate. I'll describe it in my like technical garment making brain. It's uh, actually like a zero waste pattern. Oh, cool. So everything is made out of like different dimensions of rectangles. So it's kind of boxy, but I've made these like architectural sleeves with little drawstrings and it's a little, yeah, like 
firecracker red yeah number but sometimes this lit lines up with my little strawberry tattoo oh that's (laughs) cute that's awesome and were the the slits your designs that part of the pattern it was part of the pattern but you can kind of play around with like where the sleeve is attached because there's it's not like directional so you can have it like on the top or like underneath like or i kind of did it like three quarters Mm. oh cool Mm. that's fun that's I hope to get there someday with with mm-hmm. sewing my own clothes and being able to actually not just follow instructions. Yeah, <laughs> make some. You know, this is actually like not too bad. I feel like there are some garments that look really high effort that are like not, and there are some that look really simple but are like really tailored and require a lot of like clean finishing. Yeah, and this is mostly just sewing squares together. But <laughs> that's nice. I think yeah, cutting rectangles. I feel like mm-hmm. cutting can sometimes be I mean for me I get really stressed out when I have to cut a pattern yeah it's like okay well this is the time where there's no going back yeah but if you're just cutting rectangles it feels a little maybe Mm -hmm. easier to tackle possibly yeah Yeah. I feel like I have a lot more tools now like I have like a big quilting ruler too that's like a giant ruler with like a big handle on it and I use like a rotary cutter so then you're like following the straight lines of the ruler but when I started out, it was a lot more like, oh, my God, I'm going to ruin this piece of fabric forever and there's no way to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm there right now. Yeah. It still happens sometimes, but I, I don't think I've had quite as many full like, oh, no, I can't come back from this moments. So just to bring it back to what you did this week, did you do this whole shirt in one in this week? Or like, how long does it take uh, you to make this I did it in like an afternoon oh amazing that's, <laughs> that's so cool yeah. I, yeah I feel like I've gotten to a point too where I kind of like know enough foundational skills that even if I'm like trying a new pattern it doesn't take me a super long time anymore that's amazing mm-hmm. to be able to like make a beautiful shirt in an afternoon mm-hmm. that you can wear forever yeah, yeah. in the yeah. time that it would take to like go to a store and browse around mm-hmm. and try and find one yeah you know you just make yeah. them yourself and I actually I altered it a little bit today before I came because the ties used to be longer there's like little ribbon ties on the sleeve and I wore it for the first time after I made it and it was just like I can't wash my hands or like oh. eat or <laughs> yeah. anything without these like dangly right. <laughs> long ties like getting in everywhere so I just like snipped it and gave it a little oh, hand cool. sew before I came nice. awesome that's it, also one of the perks of making your own clothes yeah you can tweak it after you've worn it mm-hmm. and realize oh this actually is not super functional mm-hmm. and it's not it's not too late unless you've cut the pattern wrong then it's yeah. too then it's too late mm-hmm. <laughs> Karen what's one creative thing you did this week my creative thing is the opposite of yours in a way Kaya because I took apart a <laughs> project this week I was thinking about what to say for this <laughs> this part of the podcast it's always challenging and I have done a few things this week but I've I've done them or talked about them before like I'm I'm starting a sewing project which is exciting I've just kind of gotten the pattern together so haven't really gone in yet but I was also working on a shirt that I was knitting and I've been working on it for weeks and the whole time it wasn't quite what I wanted it to be or like as it was coming together I was getting less excited about it and so I got you know well over halfway done with it and I decided I I realized I kind of made a mistake towards the beginning of the pattern, could have just like left it and it would have been fine. I was like, you know what? I'm 
calling it and I just, you know, ripped apart the whole thing and rewound my yarn. And now I'm starting over from scratch. And the reason I decided to bring it up is because I think the concept of being able to pivot (laughs) your creative works is really important. And to like, you know, have that idea, have that initial creative idea, go for it and then have the confidence and, you know, resolve to know when it's just not, it's not working out and letting it go and then starting over. So now I'm excited to, to take that yarn and do something that I actually will, will like with it rather than just have this top that I don't like. And that wasn't, you know, wasn't really what I wanted. And crucially didn't fit. Because Karen told me that she (laughs) tried to put it over her head and the neck hole wasn't big enough. Yeah, that was a blessing in disguise. (laughs) I didn't know that when I started to rip it out. I was like, oh, this isn't working. I started to rip and then I was going to just try it on to see if at least the fit was good. So if I wanted to start over, it it was the right size. And I could not get it over my head. (laughs) The neck hole was, I don't know. I don't know what went wrong, but it was not wearable so thank god I called it when I did yeah so. you'd emotionally released the garment you know, <laughs> before you realized like well I would have had to anyway yeah yeah so kind of dodged a bullet in the end but yeah but yeah that's my creative thing it's nice. just not having a creative product <laughs> So I feel like this is maybe because we knew Kaya was coming on this week, we were very garment focused mm-hmm. because my creative thing of the week is also <laughs> in relation to my to my wares. Nice. Um, I went through my wardrobe and put away my summer things and put together my fall capsule wardrobe. I kind of follow like a capsule wardrobe thing pretty loosely and I've done so for years. Um, I think especially having grown up on the prairies, like you're kind of forced to do capsule wardrobes, whether you want to or not, because the weather is so drastic. You actually have seasons. You have seasons, so you like have to switch things out. But this was a fun one for me because I decided on a color palette before kind of going through my clothes. And so that was a different way of approaching a capsule wardrobe for me, because normally I would just kind of like go through my wardrobe, take things out, put things back in and just go off of what I what I like, which is totally fine and works too. But because I started from a color palette, I went through and I literally took out every article of clothing that I own (laughs) and eliminated anything that didn't fall within the color palette and then made my capsule from there. And so I limited myself to five items per category, more or less like five t-shirts, five or up to five. So not all of the categories have five, but like five pants, five t-shirts, five long sleeve, five pullover sweaters, five dresses, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And I think that starting from the color palette was just such a fun way to go about it because it just, it made me excited to like put together outfits in a way that I haven't felt for a while. So Mm, nice. It is nice having a capsule wardrobe or like just putting away clothes when you're not using them so that when they come back into your rotation, you get excited again. It feels mm-hmm. like you have a new new item again. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, because I like I love both Karen and I and obviously Kaya, too. Like we obviously enjoy fashion, enjoy like dressing. And it's easy for me to amass kind of too many clothes, something mm-hmm. that I've been 
working on for a very long time. But I find that when I reduce and downsize, I'm actually less likely to want to shop more mm. when I, I have fewer options. It's just, I don't know why that is. <laughs> and it doesn't always last a super long time. But I know for me right now, like I'm pretty excited about the fall wardrobe that I have. And I don't have those feelings of wanting to like fill in gaps. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much set for the season. So, and I'm excited to, to wear the clothes that I already have. That's good. That's good. We need more of that. I think just all of us. What's the color palette? Oh, thanks for asking. (laughs) I want to know. Thanks for asking. No, I'm happy to share. Um, So the color that I started with, which is kind of funny because I actually only have one garment, this color. Well, kind of, I guess two, but it's this orange. And I, I don't look good in orange. I have like one <laughs> orange shirt that suits me and it's more of kind of like a desaturated terracotta with a little bit of like coral undertone. And, <laughs> and, um, and I have one orange, kind of more of like a light burnt orange with navy spots. Uh, I have a dress in that, in that colorway. So those were kind of the two inspirations. So my pops of color are that nice orange. And then the other pop of color is really light green, like earthy greens. One is more of like a pistachio green. The other one's more of a khaki green. And then the neutrals are cream, slate gray, and black. And the other kind of base colors are brown, just like any kind of any, any and all of my brown items. I love love brown. Yeah, I love brown (laughs) from like mushroom taupe to like chocolate brown and navy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always exciting. I always, I'm always curious about color because I really love color. Me too. As well. So, do like, you have like not like rules, but do you have certain ideas when it, around colors that work for you, or are you open to all colors? Yeah, I feel like I have colors that I tend to like gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Like I love a bright red. I tend to go like warm tone. Looks very over, nice. Thank you. Very nice. Over a cool tone. But I do like like a lavender. I like a like a chartreuse. I like a yellowy, mm. kind of like ugly green. Oh, okay. <laughs> like nice. the color of my couch, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, anything kind of olivey. But I actually, I did one of those like color consultations. Oh, did you? Oh, oh, I'm so curious. I did no it shame. Like... Alex and I have not done it, but we have watched many videos mm. on it and yeah, tried. I did one online and I feel like they were wrong what oh, color got the analysis back and they were like you're a cool summer maybe i don't oh, remember really? okay. but they were like don't wear anything warm ever warm looks <laughs> bad on you and you don't have any warm undertones and i was like i'm literally asian <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's true <laughs> did they have that then, as a you know one of the things did you fill out is are you asian yeah. <laughs> yes no. Yes, no i think in the like there's like a little like questionnaire thing and i feel like it said like what's your ethnic background or like okay. how would you describe your skin tone interesting but i had to send in like a whole bunch of pictures where they were like hold up like a light blue sheet next to your face <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. i was like i'm actually uniquely qualified to do this i have just so many cuts of fabric yeah so i can true. just like hold up just hold and be like up. yep <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know if i agreed with them all of the colors that they said were my like best colors are ones that i like don't wear at oh, all. wow that's really funny. i guess that's you know important to take every Everything you hear with a grain of salt. Mm. There's like so much information out there on like what works for different types of people, different shapes and like, yeah. you know, skin tones. But if you don't feel good in it, like why bother? Mm. <laughs> you know, like mm. don't. Yeah. Trust your own opinion. It's good to get advice from other people and like try yeah. that stuff out. But only if you kind of have a sense of 
what you like and what you think will work yeah yeah, yeah I'm like the type of person who I've always liked doing like personality quizzes yeah I'm like too. reading yeah, yeah. my horoscope and like <laughs> that kind of thing so it felt like kind of an extension of that where I was like I don't know if I really believe in this system but I'm really curious about what you think yeah yeah, yeah totally. and I want to read the little paragraph of like these are the <laughs> things about you yeah <laughs> but it also can help you to like learn more about yourself by if you like agree with it yeah. or not, right? You just yeah. like have these kind of things thrown out at you and you can, you know, if you have a strong negative reaction to what it says, it's like, oh, I guess maybe I feel the exact opposite. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Cool to know. Yeah. It was also like deeply embarrassing to have those selfies on my camera roll for a little bit because <laughs> every time I opened it, it would just be like a wall of my own like blank staring face with like a color <laughs> And my partner like looked over my shoulder and was like, what is that? <laughs> what what are you doing like what is going on i love that if i saw that on your phone i would know exactly yeah. what was going on <laughs> that is so funny well i think crucially too just to for to be like devil's advocate for color theory <laughs> or like seasonal mm-hmm. whatever you call them but even though i've never had a professional consultation i think one of the kind of crucial details is like everyone can wear any color it's just a matter of like what's shade what saturation warm cool whatever so it's not to say that like even though I did literally just say I can't wear orange (laughs) (laughs) broadly I can't but there's like specific shades of orange that I can wear and so like you're burnt or orange with uh coral undertones yeah my desaturated (laughs) terracotta it's it's very specific (laughs) but I think that there it's just like anything else like horoscope or whatever it's like a way of self analysis or, or, or just like a way of making sense of the world kind of like, Mm -hmm. at least with the color stuff, like giving you a framework to work from. And then you can kind of like take and leave what you don't like rather than using it as a set of rules that one Mm -hmm. must follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Like guidelines, like, yeah, (laughs) as with anything, it's helpful to have those parameters and like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you have like maybe a jumping off point, but you have to be able to also infuse your own feelings. Yeah, just like anything that's so broad, like trying to like distill down exactly what colors look good on you, like based on sort of a broad system, like of course there's going to be specificities that cater to you that maybe just don't fit within the wider system. Mm -hmm. That sentence even makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying words and I'm like, I know what I mean, but I didn't, I don't know if that actually landed where I meant it. I think we got there. I think we got there. We can cut it out if it doesn't make sense. Have you seen like, there's like a meme that's just like women after saying like the most deep or self-reflective sentence of all time and ending it with like is, if that made sense to anyone yeah. like, <laughs> oh my god yeah uh, like hopefully that like came through right yeah, yeah. 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 So, do you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> just for the for for you both but also for the listener i did wake up with a headache and i've taken a couple of tylenol and i feel totally fine but i do feel like ever so slightly loopy mm-hmm. you also are getting over a concussion i am also oh getting gosh. over a concussion yeah. <laughs> so that could have something to do with it too oh man i guess i could tell the story very briefly <laughs> sorry i'm totally sidetracking i'm like i'm the host yeah. now yeah tell me we can also tell cut me. it out too but it honestly now especially feels like a freak accident mm-hmm. i it was the morning i was going home 
and I was running for the bus. I saw it coming and I, so I was, you know, half a block away from the stop and I tripped on the sidewalk and fell forward, which would normally be fine. It's something I've done many times. <laughs> Not great <laughs> for my knees, but you know, usually doesn't lead to a concussion, but I had my laptop and my boyfriend had given me a bottle of wine. They were both in my backpack. So mm -hmm. I think just the weight of my backpack plus falling forward, it kind of gave me whiplash of just Whoa. like kind of the weight going forward and then pulling back. I got a concussion from that. Um, that was like a week and a bit ago, week and a couple of days ago, yeah. week and a half ago. So it was definitely like worse than I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never had a concussion before, so I didn't really know how long the effects last. Mm. But yeah, so mm. if I'm not as uh, articulate or just a little bit more spacey, I could also have something to do with it. Forget. I feel like that's so recent. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not that long ago. No, no, it wasn't that long ago. It really, really messed up my... It was, and it was also like three days before my birthday too. Oh. So it was like, it was a real whirlwind of a week. Yeah. Lots of, lots of ups and downs. <laughs> Nothing to like turning a year older and having it. A head injury? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like from a little fall. From a fall. Yeah. That's, that's how you know you're getting older, you know? Yeah. It's like that, that little trip has. You can't face plant into to... the ground like you used to. No, no, <laughs> yeah. you really can't. No. <laughs> So, Kaya, what role does creativity play in your life right now? Yeah, I feel like in my, like, day job right now, we're getting super busy because I, I work for, like, an arts nonprofit, and the biggest sort of portion of, like, my job is festival coordinating. So I work on, like, the Vancouver Outsider Arts Festival, oh, nice. um, and it's, like, every October. This is, like, my third year working for the fest, but, like, my biggest role, I guess. So we're kind of in like full on festival production wow. mode which is right now. And I feel like anytime my job is super busy, I <laughs> really want to do anything other than my job. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been also like really sewing a lot and kind of like making myself a little nest in my like sewing <laughs> space of like denial that time is passing i just pictured you the sew festival is sewing a nest like all this fabric mm -hmm. just around you like sewing yeah, a nest. i feel like i'm just like collecting shiny things and making a nice <laughs> little area where deadlines won't affect me <laughs> and everything's gonna be okay just um, pulling your you're pulling your knits and your fabrics yeah. closer mm -hmm. to your to your chest mm -hmm. it's fine yeah fine. so i feel like i've just been sewing a lot. I feel like I get like extra energy when I have to do more like work tasks mm. where I'm like, I need to do something that isn't that to balance it out or yeah. else I'm going to like pull my hair out. Mm. Totally. And then once the big rush is over, I'll just go into like deep hibernation for <laughs> a week or two. <laughs> yeah. That's totally fair. I get that. I feel like when you're that busy, you kind of feel like you have to stay that busy so you fill up your free time with like busy mm -hmm. things right and can't quite get out of that like go yeah. go go mentality yeah but you also yeah you need something for yourself yeah it's uh, like if I if I stop moving I'll die yeah <laughs> yeah just for listeners who maybe haven't been to the festival or people who are not mm -hmm. from Vancouver can you talk a little bit about the outside yeah so this is the seventh year that it's on it's a visual and performing arts festival so most of what i do is like coordinating visual artists so we've got like 40 visual artists and four like art groups that are participating 
this year as well as like performances every day and like a couple of workshops mm. on but yeah it's at the roundhouse center in Yaletown. Okay, it's free nice. to attend october 12th to the 17th are our dates this year it's okay everyone can <laughs> just put it in their calendars for next year yeah just block all of october i'm mm-hmm. guessing it changes a little bit for yeah the it's year, mid-october every yeah, year. mid-october 2024 just mm-hmm. So have you been working for the organization for three years? You said this was your your Mm. third. What was it like going from school, like being in like a music program and not fine art? We're not music program. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) An arts program Mm -hmm. to working for an arts organization. Did you do you think that like having an arts education prepared you to work in an organization or do they feel quite disparate? I know it's different medium, Mm -hmm. obviously, if you're working more with like fine artists and musicians. When I look at my life, everything kind of feels a little bit fluky. (laughs) (laughs) Like (laughs) everything happens because of like one little weird thing. And then Mm -hmm. I go, actually, I'm really well suited to do that and I can totally do it. But yeah, that specific sentiment come through with this job. I started working for it's the Community Arts Council of Vancouver, which Mm -hmm. is city of Van- it's it's not government city of vancouver it's just like geographically mm. in the city of vancouver um but we're like a little arts nonprofit that puts on the festival i started working for them in 2021 and i like stage managed at the fest oh cool um so i was doing like performer related stuff um mm. and that came about because the executive director of the community arts council was someone that I met through like a BIPOC female musician mentorship workshop program thing. Oh, cool. Um, so I kind of knew her and she had just started in her role as the executive director and didn't have like really any music production event stage kind of experience at all. And so needed someone to like handle like tech requirements and mm. stage managing. And she was starting to get like people's documents in and being like, I don't know what this means <laughs> and if this is right. And like, they say that they have a bassist, but are they bringing a bass amp or do we have to rent a bass amp or like mm-hmm. that kind of Yeah, all the logistics stuff. of putting on live music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went, I can probably do that. <laughs> so, you just gave yourself the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> but nice. kind of. Well, she, I think she reached out to me or I don't even remember I think she reached out to me and asked if it was something that I would be willing to do. And I said, yes. So I stage managed in 2021. And then last year I had kind of like a part-time but longer term contract. So I was on with them for like nine months doing festival coordinating. And actually just in May, we got funding for me to have like a permanent position Mm, with the Arts Council. So I am like full-time permanent funding pending (laughs) of course in the nonprofit sphere right um but the idea is that i continue working there for at least the next little while doing like programs coordinating but so getting the job actually even though what you're doing now isn't necessarily related to music per se you got the position in the first place because of your musical experience and Mm. like that I guess like meeting point of that mentorship program yeah okay so that's cool so it's just kind of like evolved into yeah yeah it was kind of like music school to but then I did this workshop series thing and then that led to like a part-time like couple month contract and things just kind of kept like snowballing Mm -hmm. um which is also really interesting 
because I feel like I really like my job right now. Mm-hmm. But if I had just applied for it, I don't have like any of the qualifications on paper to right. do it. I can see how that could feel fluky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm like, like, I have a here? jazz degree. I don't have like a comms degree or a marketing degree yeah, yeah. or like any of that kind of stuff. And the majority of my job is like emailing and spreadsheets and Mm -hmm. like coordination kind of for sure yeah it's a whole different skill set than like knowing how to improvise on changes yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so interesting I mean I think that's true of a lot of jobs though hey like you Mm -hmm. just kind of have to get your foot in the door and the qualifications look good on paper and can get your foot in the door but Mm -hmm. then a lot of it's just kind of learn as you go right yeah I'm wondering if this is an okay time to bring up, like veering away from music. Once you do a music degree, like no, no guarantee that you're going to be working full time in music. Most (laughs) of us aren't unless we're teaching or unless we, we have like done the thing and we're like a professional musician. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of us have to kind of carve our, our way somewhere else um, in another industry. And it may be related to music in one way or another or may not. And so now that you're kind of established in this job and you've essentially like launched a, a second career as, <laughs> as a sewer, uh, what role does music play in your life right now? And are you still finding kind of creative fulfillment in music? Yeah, I feel like I'm at like a crossroads with music right now. Which is kind of a scary thing to say because I like started taking gigs in high school. Like I've been gigging for 11 years at this point. So it feels kind of scary to be like I'm releasing a part of me and like something that I went to school for and like paid a lot of money (laughs) to go to school for and like put all of my eggs in this basket. But I don't think I would take any of that back. Yeah, I think I'm kind of... At least for now, winding back on like my own projects. I really, really love working with Shorties, my band, Mm -hmm. Sid and Cindy. So I think that is definitely going to continue. But I think I'm just past a point in my life where I want to be taking like background music gigs while people arrive at an event and like for no money. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) like working so, so hard all the time for no money (laughs) and that wasn't feeling creatively fulfilling either like even though there was music being made it wasn't like it wasn't making my soul feel good Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get that the sad yeah the sad reality Mm -hmm. of a lot of working musicians when it becomes your job Mm -hmm. the reason you wanted to do it in the first place can kind of get a little muddy and like can kind of disappear for some people because Mm -hmm. there's so much else that goes into it that's not very creatively fulfilling and can feel almost icky sometimes yeah (laughs) and like looking at like the percentage of time that I was spending like doing taxes and sending (laughs) emails and like coordinating rehearsals and like Mm -hmm. all of that time versus like actually playing music and having a nice time with people I like Mm -hmm. was looking like not great (laughs) right (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and Um, I know in our kind of conversation before and planning to have you in you'd mentioned burnout and so would you say that most of that burnout is just exactly for those reasons that you said like the emails and the scheduling and yeah I think so and I think it hits a point where at least for me it kind of hit a point where I was like why am I doing this Mm -hmm. and like it's so much work 
and I don't love it yeah in this mm-hmm. moment yeah so why am I working like so so hard I feel like getting this arts job as well was like oh this is the first time I've ever worked like a full-time job that pays me every two weeks and like is a reasonable amount yeah. <laughs> and I went oh my god this is what people just get paid like <laughs> yeah and it's not like here's my one weird two hundred dollar check and then my one part-time job that I get paid once a month but I have to invoice for it yeah. and then my other part-time job that's retail that I hate that I yeah. get paid like 200 bucks a paycheck and like mm-hmm. like yeah. scrounging all these like miscellaneous sources together to like still not be feeling like i'm good totally yeah Yeah. and to have that sort of security right there's no security in that at Mm -hmm. all yeah yeah so i think also seeing like the contrast between those two things was like oh it it could actually just be easy and music could just be a fun thing that i get to do yeah instead Mm. of a job that i have to do yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I guess you're probably still in that transition period of like the releasing and sort of mm-hmm. like relearning how to do music for fun rather than like you said, you've been gigging for over 10 years and like mm. the hustle yeah. kind of finding a new relationship with music again. Yeah, it's been interesting. I don't think I ever said no to a gig before unless it was like, come play this thing for four hours for $25 and a beer. And you're like, <laughs> Always no. Always the free beer. The free beer. And, oh, yeah. Actually, I don't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> but like turning down things that I would have said yes to in the past and like with people that I have relationships with, like like bookers, not necessarily like musicians, but like yeah like city of burnaby or like different places that would normally be like hey we're having a thing do you want to play at the thing and i'd go yeah sure right um now being like actually i don't want to Mm -hmm. or but i can give you contact information (laughs) for somebody who might yeah (laughs) or it's like you know that sounds interesting can you tell me the specifics before Mm -hmm. i commit to this Mm -hmm. gig that turns out to be yeah five hours or i have to come set up six hours before the gig starts right i have to bring all of my own like sound equipment yeah yeah oh real okay real quick (laughs) can we go (laughs) can we go uh in a circle and say the weirdest thing we were offered for a gig (laughs) the weirdest form of payment does anyone Mm. have anything I'll tell you mine. Yeah. We got asked somewhat recently, like last last winter, to play up uh, on a ski hill and got offered ski passes um, <laughs> as payment. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the most expensive sport. You think we just go ski <laughs> and can yeah. just use these ski passes? <laughs> that was a weird one. Yeah. They did they did offer us real money after that, but that was, oh, yeah, that was a weird good. jumping off point. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been offered like weird compensation like I've been offered a lot of bad compensation right yeah but I had one gig where it was like a street fest kind of block party outdoor thing and they were just like show up this is like the intersection that you're playing at and usually you kind of show up and there's like a tent and Uh like a sound person and you're like hey I'm gonna be here and I showed up and it was a like (laughs) giant elevated boxing ring like 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 eight feet tall with like stairs up to it and they were like you're gonna stand in there <laughs> so Great. I, that was like the most like oh it, there was no you didn't think to tell me that yeah. in advance really glad I wore sneakers like <laughs> I had to like go in like through the ropes yeah. <laughs> to get in the center <laughs> 
<laughs> oh so my funny. gosh mm-hmm. that's so funny you can tell when a when an event is not organized by musicians because mm-hmm. you're like oh a musician would think to mention these things mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah yeah not always the case yeah yeah, but it was actually really fun. And that's why we keep coming lining. back, you know? Yeah. That's how they reel you back in. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of any funny compensation besides okay. just not wanting to pay me. Yeah. yeah. Well, Which that's is not funny. really funny. That's, yeah. It's yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, like an exploitative yeah. kind of way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so jumping off of the changing relationship with music do you think that's what precipitated your like accelerated <laughs> progress into sewing and just that that new outlet or do you feel like they're not necessarily related? Yeah, I don't feel like the inception of the sewing was really related to my feelings around music. I think now they're definitely related because they're both like creative things that I do, so like I feel like I have kind of a finite amount of energy right. to do things. So like yeah. there's a bit of a push and pull. And they're both kind of them. like you sort of need that spark of inspiration mm-hmm. for both. And so if it's really being ignited in one area, then mm-hmm. it, then I know I feel that with my own music of just like I haven't felt that spark of inspiration with music for a while. And I've been finding it in other places and I don't know if because I'm focusing on other things and there isn't really the room for that to come through Mm. with music or if it's because I'm so used to accessing that through music and I can't right now that these other things are Mm -hmm. filling in those gaps for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I feel like that's yeah I feel like it's funny because I even I just said I have like a finite amount of energy but I feel like creativity in itself is not finite like I have a finite amount of hours yeah in which to like do things (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like sometimes if I am like super creative in one area I feel like that bleeds into other things or it can like Mm -hmm. like bring stuff up in like other mediums but sometimes it's like nope this is the thing that I'm doing right now and everything else is cut off Mm. (laughs) like we're not we're not watering those other plants right now like it's (laughs) this one giant tree that I'm working on and everything else can like maybe get a little bit withered right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've been there before. For yeah, sure. like when I when I started sewing, it was like a pandemic hobby that mm-hmm. I picked up. Um, and so, just to stop you there, so prior mm-hmm. to 2020, had you um, done any sewing before, or how did that? How did the drive or that desire begin? I took one semester of home ec in high school. So I think I sewed like an apron and a washcloth or something. (laughs) But that was really the only sewing I had done prior to picking it back up. And I think 2021, I bought my machine. But I had always like... (laughs) <laughs> really loved Project Runway nice. and like wanted yes. to be a fashion designer when I was a kid and my cool. mom was like you know that means you have to sew the clothing also you don't just get to like draw it on the paper <laughs> I was like hmm, that sounds like a lot of work <laughs> and then like didn't revisit it for <laughs> a long time um, that's cool though so even as a kid you're interested in fashion mm-hmm. and design 
Yeah, I think I've always, I like, I, I dressed myself from the time I was, like, two or three and was, like, very particular. Oh. And, like, actually, until I was, like, six or seven, I think I would only wear pink and red because those were girl colors. Oh, mm-hmm. And I didn't like any other colors because those were the best colors, and I am wearing red today. Yeah, um, so you but I've expanded. <laughs> I've expanded. Also wearing, like, blue pants or navy mm-hmm. pants. Yeah, so. and I also didn't yes. wear pants. It was, like, only oh, dresses, dresses and skirts. Wow, very tight to your yeah. like idea of femininity yeah and yeah. i was Whoa. like this femininity. is me i love this yeah. <laughs> i am yeah. pink and red and that's what it is wow mm-hmm. did you have like a very strong sense of self then, yes like from early on <laughs> i think i was a very like precocious child mm-hmm. and then like as i think as it does to like all young girls puberty kind of like beat that out of me yeah for a while and I feel like I'm still trying to like get back to that little girl who didn't like care yeah and didn't know like who she was supposed to be and was like I love red and pink and those are the best colors and that's it and that's that's fine (laughs) and if you tell me to wear something else I'm not gonna do it yeah right yeah there's a there's a time before puberty where I think well not everyone, mm-hmm. but yeah, it really does beat you down when you get into yeah. you start to realize, see how the rest of the world is looking at you mm-hmm. rather than how you're looking at the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it is a process to get back to that. Are you actively yeah. doing things to try to get back to that? I, f- I feel like I hope I'm going in that direction a little bit more like every day. It's not like an active pursuit, I feel like this is like a big conversation, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think I've had some like real chronic illness experiences in the past like year and some like acute illness things where I felt like I was just, I was so sick. I was really, really ill for like a good couple of months. I couldn't leave the house. Mm. I think that that really deeply changes you as a person. No doubt. Um, yeah. And I think I let go of a lot of things that I could see other people projecting onto me because it was like, that doesn't matter. I'm literally focused on surviving as a human person right now. So I don't care what other people think my hair should look like or, you know, Mm, (laughs) like that kind of thing was like, that literally doesn't matter to me right now. My priorities are I need to go for a blood test and I need to do this and I got to take a pill. Like, <laughs> mm, yeah, wow. We take for granted the to have like the space to mm. care about certain things. Yeah. Right. And to be, yeah, yeah to yeah. be able to do that because we don't have to worry about things like mm-hmm. survival. Which, yeah. yeah. And, and really taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you okay talking about the chronic illness or like, I don't want to like ask you details if yeah. you want to talk about I'm it. I'm like but... pretty, I'm a pretty open book. Okay. Can we go into a little bit about what happened for you around your chronic illness? Like how, mm-hmm. what, what your experience was and then even were you diagnosed? Like were you able to find a diagnosis and what mm-hmm. was that process like? So I've had, I've kind of known that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome for a mm-hmm. long time. But I never got diagnosed for it because my family doctor is terrible and I'm actively trying to get a nurse practitioner or something. If anybody has any hot NP recommendations, (laughs) I would love someone who doesn't suck. Which is really hard to come by. Yeah. Really hard. Really, really hard. So my family doctor is probably going to be a recurring character in this little section. (laughs) But yeah, I've known that I've had PCOS for like six or seven years maybe and she agreed with me and just put me on birth control but said I'm not going to give you a diagnosis 
and I'm not going to write anything in your file. But Whoa. here's a prescription. And I went, okay, I would love to feel better. That sounds great to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then carried on with my life. And I, like, I got like an ultrasound and some blood work and stuff at that point. So I've kind of known that I've had that for a while. And then I got COVID in August, mm. which really wiped me out August of last year. And for me with the PCOS, like it really manifests in a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but I have some like immunocompromised bits and it hit me so hard. (laughs) It hit me so hard and it was really bad and I was really so sick. The COVID hit Mm -hmm. you so hard. Yeah. Because of um, the immunocompromised situation. Yeah. And I had had like three shots at that point, I think too. So I I don't know like how Mm -hmm. bad it would have been like if I didn't have any vaccinations and Mm. yeah, it was just awful. And then my immune system was kind of depleted for a while and I got like pink eye right after from COVID. And I think my body was just like super beat down. And then I worked the festival last year and my contract ended in like November and around November I got really, really sick. I just had like a ton of GI issues and like constant stomach pain and just like going to the bathroom all the time Mm, and like couldn't really eat anything and like literally like I I think I didn't leave my house for like three months pretty much wow and it was just like really like chronic chronic pain I couldn't sleep on my side because it was like too much pressure Mm. on my like organs yeah (laughs) and like I wasn't sleeping very well I was like dreading having to go to sleep because I was like I'm gonna have to lie in the bed and that's gonna be uncomfortable and just like low quality of life yeah (laughs) and I went to my family doctor and she said I think you just have IBS and also this is nothing and refused to give me uh, any like, referrals, any anything. It yeah, feels. I, um, I listen to a lot of like wellness or like health, and and also just like feminist podcasts. And mm-hmm. the amount of people who are diagnosed with IBS when it's like yeah. just, when it's other <laughs> yeah. things, and like not to say that IBS isn't real. Of course it yeah. is, mm-hmm. but it's. Also, it yeah. could very well be a symptom of a bigger problem, yeah. like, you know, having yes. irritable bowels. Like that yeah. could Usually definitely is. Yeah. indicate other things going yeah. on. So she was really then adamant that I just had anxiety and that was the problem. And I was like, you are trying so hard to diagnose me with female hysteria right now. Mm. Like you would love to write that on my file and call it a day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, but I like asked for a referral to a gastroenterologist and she said no. I was like asking for all sorts of testing and she was like, I guess I can send you for an ultrasound. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I got another ultrasound and some blood work and everything was like normal. And I went, but it's not though. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, everything's clean. So you're probably fine. It's like, you probably, it's just you. Yeah. Like, it's just your, it's just how, how you yeah. are. And I was like, no, no, no. but no, this is markedly different and extremely different. And I'm really, really ill all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't do anything and I can't work and I can't, I, I can't like be a person right mm-hmm. now. So this is definitely like not normal. So I ended up finding a naturopath actually that I really, really love. And I got this thing called GI mapping done through her where you have to do like it's a stool sample Mm. but you like pick up this kit and in the kit there's like a little thing that looks like a like what you would get like (laughs) fries in at a diner (laughs) like a little cardboard boat that you like put in the toilet and then you have to like (laughs) aim (laughs) for this like floating thing yeah and I've interfaced with my own shit at this point like more than I would love to (laughs) but then you have to like scoop it and put it in a tube and wow. like send it Ooh. to a lab wow wow <laughs> and when you're sick you do a lot of things yeah you know what yeah. you do, I, i'm sure you were just like fine whatever whatever mm-hmm. it takes yeah if this is gonna help 
great yeah. sign me yeah. up yeah <laughs> so that went off and got analyzed and it turned out that i had a really nasty h pylori infection which is like a bacteria mm. so the gi mapping like shows like your gut flora basically it's mm. like all your different gut bacteria and it tests for like gluten intolerance and there's like a couple other things in there as well but for me the thing that was like really crazy bad was my h pylori was like off the charts which made my stomach acid super acidic which caused all of my other gut bacteria to also either wildly overgrow or undergrow depending on like what ph they like oh wow <laughs> so she was like she printed off my results and just like everything was like high, 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 high. Like it was terrible. And they're like exponential scales, like like to the power of four um, or whatever, uh, okay, like sure. for however many <laughs> bacteria are present. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was just bad. There was a lot of red on the paper, yeah, which yeah. is like, you don't want that. You just see it right away. You're like, well, that, mm-hmm. that's bad. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, this is, this is bad. That's bad. The U of H pylori, which for context is something you can get tested for at Life Labs by just blowing into a tube mm. and is like a very standard very test right. and that so you can some... get and requisition and all like you don't even need to have a doctor at requisition. And I think you can just go in and be like, can I pay $40? Like, oh, wow. <laughs> like it's but very, like how would you know to yeah, do that? If yeah. It's like super standard. Yeah. So add that to the counts of medical negligence that I've been experiencing. Right. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just but, such no. a terrible system. I'm sure yeah. like, there are a lot of good doctors out there, you know, doing mm-hmm. their best, but yeah, the healthcare yeah. is such a tricky thing to navigate, especially, yeah, as a woman who, you know, oftentimes like we just don't get that mm-hmm level of decent of human decency to be like you know what they probably know their body better Mm -hmm. than better than we do and we should trust that if they say something's wrong it's it's wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so that was kind of the end result of that and I got treated for it and it's been a lot better but I still feel like my gut is kind of healing yeah from all of that and like I developed a gluten sensitivity which I never had before but I think it's just like it's inflammatory so then if you have other stuff that's already inflamed like it's just not a happy party in there so I'm hoping that the gluten tolerance comes back because honestly it feels a little bit racist of my own body to me that I can no longer have soy sauce <laughs> that, that's a big problem I that's like thousands right? of years yeah. of evolution and genetics for it to end in this like yeah. really yeah, there's no yeah. way I'm built for, for me this. Yeah. my ancestors like did this for me yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be good at this yeah. Yeah. that's tragic, mm-hmm. that is tragic. Yeah. so I'm hoping I'm hoping that me and gluten can become friends again mm-hmm. but um for now it's not so great yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm like way, way better than I was, which is amazing. And I got like a really good care team out of it because I ended up getting some different specialists. And there's like a whole, there's a, there's a long, complicated version of the story, which believe it or not, that was not the long, complicated <laughs> version. But yeah, I'm like quite a bit better now. And I did end up getting an actual PCOS diagnosis. It just took six years. Mm, and well. yeah, so I feel like I'm a lot more <laughs> resilient. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, it must be quite the like mind shift mm-hmm. to be on the other side of something like that and have to now navigate mm-hmm. like 
and I'm getting back to. Yeah, yeah. And I really, like, I just turned 26 and I was really like, man, I thought I'd get, like, a good couple more years before I was, like, going to the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When it happens, it happens fast. Uh Oh, man. Who am I seeing this week? (laughs) (laughs) At least you have found a good, you know, a Mm -hmm. good support system. Yeah through it i mean obviously you had to really fight for it mm-hmm. but that's yeah. and, really and having to fight to for it when things are already wrong and mm-hmm. you're you're already struggling like that's you know it's such a tough thing and then to learn that one of the tests that you needed could have just been a referral from your doctor and you wouldn't have had to pay because obviously mm-hmm. seeing a naturopath is not um, yeah. covered generally and paying for tests as well out of pockets like just putting mm-hmm. the burden of care on the person suffering yeah not yeah. great yeah no, not, not good. great not good mm-hmm. i mean great still grateful for like free free health care <laughs> of course mm-hmm. i know obviously if we were in the states it would have been even harder probably yeah i've listened to a lot of like content creators who have endometriosis Mm -hmm. or a few anyway i shouldn't say like a lot and i know from some of the people that i listen to with endometriosis they said the average time to get diagnosed with endo is eight years and so i imagine pcos is something like quite similar not to say they're the same disorders or or illnesses that only happen to women (laughs) Mm -hmm. like this big mystery Mm -hmm. that just takes years and years and years to figure out yeah yeah yeah. and I think for me like a lot of my PCOS symptoms like manifest in like ways specifically around my period as well and like there's such a rhetoric of like well periods are just bad for everyone right everyone who menstruates has a bad time every time and Mm -hmm. it's always bad and it's equally bad yes which is like not true at all all. and it's not supposed to be like that's another another sort of myth is that like painful periods are normal and Mm -hmm. in fact they're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they shouldn't be painful (laughs) if if there's but that's another thing that feels like kind of just this mystery quest of like how to figure out how to have like a quote unquote normal period that isn't actually like kind of ruining your life for yeah. like mm-hmm. one to two weeks or more of the of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And when you're yeah. so used to like normalizing pain in, in that respect, it can get easier to normalize a lot of other things that might be wrong too. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real problem with that. I know I'm I'm trying to be more of an advocate for myself, you know, just in terms of my own health and well being because yeah, I feel like there's pressure to just suck it up and just, mm. you know, that's that's fine if it's not killing you. I mean, not to say that yours, your experience mm. wasn't extreme because it sounds very extreme, but just that idea that, you know, wait until it gets to that yeah. point before you do anything about it. And yeah. then even then, you know, like maybe yeah, even at even that point, you. you're probably yeah. making it up. So yeah. right. oh, it's I anxiety. think you should just like go home and like go for just a walk. Have a, yeah. It's have probably a fine. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. go to the gym. Like, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, am, <laughs> I am curious. So as someone who is chronically ill mm-hmm. and as you said, having to go through that really changes your relationship to the world around you and how you like what you care about and prioritize Mm. do you think that that has shaped your relationship to creativity at all just having this kind of different lens like not only how you see the world in like a big philosophical way but Mm. also just how you move through the world right as someone who is chronically ill and has to deal with that do you see any any kind of relationship to creativity any change there 
your creative output, I mm-hmm. guess. I feel like the, my chronic illness and my garment making are really intertwined. Mm-hmm. For me, being able to make my own clothing is like beautiful and self-expressive, but it's also like a form of accessibility. Like as someone who often has like an upset tummy or is like kind of uncomfortable in clothing, like being able to make cool clothing that I like with an elastic waist or with that's like adjustable in size is sensorily comfortable for my body to wear while still also being like cute and fun and things that I enjoy wearing is really a gift. So I feel like they kind of inform each other. And I would imagine too, like if you're not feeling well enough or or not feeling confident to be away from home for extended periods of time, Mm -hmm. like you're not really going to go, go shopping Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and obviously you can buy clothes online, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's just more, I mean, obviously it's going to be more fulfilling to make your own things. Mm -hmm. Like it's a form of art and, and expression, but even just like knowing exactly what you want and being able to provide that for yourself like Mm. that must be empowering in and of itself of just like this is what I need and I Mm -hmm. can do this for myself and I can do it from home yeah yeah it's like really one of my favorite things like I (laughs) I feel like I proselytize for garment making I'm like (laughs) you should try and make your own clothes it's really fun (laughs) yeah it's really good and then you can just like have things that fit you the way that you want and are like the color that you want and the fabrication that you want and like the fiber content that you want. And like, it's not easy by any means, but I think it's easier than a lot of people think that it is. It is like accessible to people, right? And Mm -hmm. you can, yeah, yeah, you don't need to have any kind of formal training. Like you 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 yourself taught. taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned off like the internet (laughs) and just trial and error. And like, there's so many great, pattern companies that like give you the full instructions so mm-hmm. you just are like okay I'll put the sleeve in now thanks for telling me what to do <laughs> with the video like mm-hmm. tutorials yeah Those are helpful. yeah well and I'm sure your interest like you know just from a young age your interest in dressing mm-hmm. and fashion like I, I I totally believe you when you say it, it's <laughs> it's easier than you think it is but I think you probably do have a lot of built-in like eye or like talent mm-hmm. and even just the the patience and the interest of like learning the skill of like Mm -hmm. watching the videos and reading the instructions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps if you're like into it. Yeah. Yeah. And and also just like, yeah, obviously you've got to be into it, but also you might have more kind of like innate ability than Mm -hmm. you wouldn't know because you're you. Right. But (laughs) being able to, to have an eye for, for style and for fashion. Mm -hmm. But then it goes back to, you know, as long as you like it, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. really need to follow any specific rules. And that's another cool thing of making your own clothes is Mm -hmm. that you get it. You are allowed to have things exactly the way you want them and really find what's true to your style Mm -hmm. and not have to, I mean, once you get to that level, you know, you obviously have to be able to do to, to have the skill to get there, but you don't need some brand or designer telling you what is going to work for you. Mm. Yeah. And then obviously too, like accessibility, just in terms of like the types of clothes that you can find, right? Like, like having your sense of fashion dictated by what's available to you, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and then. Which kind of leads into one of the things that you mentioned talking about and Mm -hmm. something that's important to use fat phobia Mm -hmm. in, in our consumer culture and in, you know, in our 
in style and yeah just like anti-fat bias in the world in the world Mm -hmm. in general yeah yeah i imagine that must be very important to you obviously you you brought that up as something you want to talk about Mm -hmm. do you want to get into what that means for you Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like for like making my own clothing in the past couple of years i've really built up like probably half or more than half of my wardrobe is like stuff that i've made that's awesome you've made your whole outfit today yeah it's so nice thank you thank you i'm a a long time follower on your (laughs) instagram page too i love it i love it it really is the reason i Mm -hmm. took up sewing i was like i make such nice stuff Mm -hmm. i think I, like, maybe Thanks. I could do that. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is very Leo of me. I'm like, <laughs> keep complimenting me. Yeah. It's great. I can't. I've got, I've got compliments for days for I you. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. I'm so distracted Sorry. by the flattery. <laughs> well, you said, flattery. you said over half the... of your wardrobe is self-made at this point. Yeah. So most of my clothing now that I like wear and that I own, I've made. And I feel the most like myself that I think I ever have that's in awesome. my life. And like, I'd say that the clothing plays a big role in that because that's like what I am wearing mm-hmm. in the world. I know like not everybody feels like my outfits are an extension of who I am, but I do feel that way. Mm-hmm. So being able to make the things that I want to wear, just, I don't know, it feels like magic. It feels like so special and important and like I'm creating the person that I am. Bringing like who you are mm-hmm. out to share with the world. Yeah. And I feel like there's already such a lack of like nicely made clothing <laughs> yeah. in the world with yeah. fast fashion and like just the number of garments that like Shein alone produces and manufactures that are literal actual garbage. Yeah. yeah. Like garbage it's... made by slaves. Yeah. Um, yes. Which is oh. so heartbreaking, but that's a whole other can of worms like just the volume of garments that exist in the world that are not good yeah that are really bad even if you're somebody who is a size that can access those things there's already really a drought of like well-made nice fitting clothing Mm -hmm. that looks good totally and that will will last last. you more than one wash like yeah so then if you also add in like being a little fat on top of that (laughs) it's like okay so i get to pick from what three men in a boardroom chose as the thing that i want to wear yeah (laughs) and decided that that is the thing that is like quote unquote flattering on my body in like a neutral color or a floral that does not attract attention yeah it's like a weird cold shoulder for some reason (laughs) a lot of cold shoulders yeah yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. i've I've heard that a lot Mm -hmm. i don't know it's like you're the one thing that you you mm-hmm. can deem appropriate to share if you have, yeah. you know, yeah, if like you fat on your body. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I kind of straddle, like I can still fit into like straight sizing in a lot of brands mm-hmm. or plus sizing, I kind of hop between, but most like plus size pattern blocks are based on the assumption that you're tall and have breasts yes. <laughs> also yes. which i a zero for two on that for me <laughs> you're a part of shorties i am short and have a yeah. butt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is like not what garments are drafted for based mm-hmm. on like a platonic ideal of bodies yeah because also when things are mass produced they're really they're they're not making things based on body people. actual body They're, types like, right the Aren't actual they? like standardized garment measurements come from a study that was done in like 
the 30s or 40s I oh, wow. think maybe don't quote me on that but it was a study of like 200 Caucasian women yeah where they measured people and took averages oh, yeah God. and even yeah. like fit models that are used mm-hmm. today like they're not using Jen and I shouldn't not that I'm an expert on this mm-hmm. and you know should fact check this but from what I've heard from an influencer who also is like a fashion influencer and she was a fit model for a while mm-hmm. they use the fit model measurements or proportions and then just make them bigger mm-hmm. but like that's mm-hmm. not how bodies work yeah you don't and, just go up proportionately yeah. yeah and typically even if like a large brand is like oh I want to see how our size 16 fits they'll say we're looking for a model with these measurements right, right. so they're not testing it on like uh, every body person types. who wears mm-hmm. a 16 yeah. they're testing it on like these ratios of body proportions that are like whatever their decided upon proportions are so they're looking for people to fit the clothes yeah instead of the other way around and then they go cool we fit the measurements that we tried to make them fit yeah the fit is good yeah Mm -hmm. which doesn't really actually do anything (laughs) (laughs) other than make it fit on that one body yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah so Mm -hmm. I think I've also like let go of a lot of shame around like trying things on and having them not fit because I know Truly, deeply, even for like if you're a garment like sample size two or a zero, they're not designed to fit bodies. Right. (laughs) They're designed Mm -hmm. to sell. And in some cases, like I think even Zara openly admitted to intentionally making ill-fitting clothing because it means that you get tired of that shirt in a couple months and you go, I think it's ugly. And then you go buy a different shirt from Zara in the hopes that it will fit you better. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, when we try on clothes and they don't fit us right, it it becomes our insecurity. Mm, It's us. It must be our body Mm. and not the fact that they're not trying to to make clothes that work for people. The companies really actually don't care if their clothes fit you. Mm -hmm. They care if you buy the clothes of course but they don't care they, they fit you and the more insecurities like, as well mm-hmm. so that you buy more yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and if you're if if you're reinforcing the insecurities then <laughs> you're ensuring a dedicated customer mm-hmm. because we're mm-hmm. always looking to fill that hole and like make ourselves feel better and get that mm-hmm. dopamine rush and yeah, yeah it's just this, and like if, if you have a perfect wardrobe full of items that fit fit you exactly how you want and are exactly the style you want mm-hmm. why would you buy more clothes yeah like, yeah yeah you're exactly. done it exactly. is yeah it is so sad because like we've said here already we're all three of us very into fashion we i feel exactly how you described of my clothes being an extension of me my appearance is like how i choose to present myself and that is really like powerful to me you know it's the first thing people see right when they when they look at you they see like how you're how you're dressed that's a big form of like it's a very who you are, big like, form of self-expression yeah. <laughs> expression mm-hmm. and you know to have these kind of hurdles you know it, it's so sad because I feel like fashion and and dressing and presenting yourself to the world can be so powerful and it is important even if you don't choose to participate in it it does still say something about you Mm -hmm. you know it is a really important aspect of being a person and so to have to not be able to accurately present yourself the way that you want to be presented it's not frivolous I don't know you know I Mm -hmm. I feel like fashion and style can be seen as very frivolous and like why Mm -hmm. should this matter but it's hugely important. One thing I wanted to bring up just in terms of what you were saying earlier about reconnecting to that little girl Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and how, yeah, like puberty can be such a 
just such a rough time for your self-image and your self-esteem and really becoming aware of those cultural or like societal standards of what's expected of women, you know, of, of people generally, but especially hard on women or like female presenting people in terms of body image. Do you feel like trying to return to that little girl <laughs> that hadn't yet internalized so much of that messaging is part of your, I, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth if these are not words that you use, but like body neutrality, body acceptance, you know, part of that journey. I'm doing a thing. Yeah. yeah. Take your time. We can, well, we'll cut I, the pause maybe out. I can just like share a little bit <laughs> for, for me. Cause I, I'm actively trying to educate myself on anti-fat bias and I'm currently reading a book called, I need to pull it up on my notes so that I get it Are right. Are the black body? No, but I had that as a resource. I have not read that yet. It's really good. Right uh, now. I mean, like, to- terrifying and horrible and, like... Yeah. Like, I had to... I interspersed it with a fiction book. Like, I'd read, like, a chapter and then be like, I'm going to a fantasy land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That isn't I, this horrible world. Right. <laughs> I'm finding that I'm needing to do that as well. But, yeah. no, I, I really love Aubrey Gordon. I love the podcast Maintenance Phase. You know Aubrey Gordon? Or? I've heard of Maintenance Phase, but yeah. I haven't listened to it. Okay, so... Aubrey is a journalist and a writer, or maybe just a writer, <laughs> maybe not a journalist, but she does a lot of journalistic work. And her books are what we don't talk about when we talk about fat. And then the book that I'm reading right now is You Just Need to Lose Weight and 20 Other Myths About Fat People. And she does reference fearing the black body and speaks about the racist roots and white supremacist roots mm-hmm. of anti-fat bias. And so I know for me personally, like I started thinking, I started becoming like body conscious, self-conscious and wanting to shrink myself in the third grade, like third, fourth grade. And so young, so young. So, you know, that's like nine or something. Mm -hmm. And just really thinking about how, how destructive the, because like putting into context for me, the the amount of privileges that I have as like a white woman and not just white, like not anymore, but like someone who grew up <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyed, straight size, even though I like fall towards the larger end of straight size. But nevertheless, like just like how how close I am objectively to kind of like what the ideal tells us and how far away I feel from it and trying to unpack what that means you know mm. in my place in the world of like inhabiting all of these privileges and yet still having so much harsh judgment on myself and how that might be projected onto other people that I interact with you know and I, I would never want to cause someone else harm and I don't think that luckily I think I have enough self-awareness now but just like becoming more educated on anti-fat bias and trying to heal that relationship with myself and getting back to the place where, well, maybe there is no getting back to a place where you're not aware, because I I don't think that's possible. But I just wanted to share a bit about where I'm at in my journey with with trying to educate myself in the anti-fat bias I have against myself and Mm -hmm. the roots of anti-fat bias in general and how it is tied to white supremacy. And like, I don't I want to actively educate myself on on how I have inherited racist and like white supremacist beliefs without even being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, any kind of like discrimination, I feel like also is similar to this, but like anti-fatness affects obviously like the larger you are, the more you feel different effects, but it affects every body on that spectrum. 
in the same way that like transphobia also affects cis people if you're like just a really masculine looking cis woman like Mm -hmm. you can still be receiving like transphobic violence and Mm -hmm. like obviously trans folks are feeling that the most (laughs) and are bearing the brunt of it but like any kind of discrimination really just like negatively if impacts like everybody across the spectrum Mm -hmm. and working to like collectively free ourselves from those ideals is like beneficial to everybody even the people upholding those systems which is like really sad deeply sad yeah and i (laughs) think to see people championing something that's not even good for them for them yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. it was just strange to me to like have always felt too big Mm -hmm. and put it into the context of like objectively i have i'm fitting all of the all of these privileges and yet i still feel like so not good enough Mm -hmm. and so how am i upholding these like really damaging beliefs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even if i don't think that i'm projecting them onto other people Mm -hmm. and just trying to get like aware of those blind spots it it, yeah it's interesting saying it affects everyone that's so true i think Anytime you're operating off of a system of non-acceptance and Mm. hate, that is damaging to you. You know, it's Mm. damaging to the people around you, obviously, but you as well. You know, that's like a huge topic of feminism as well and how for women's empowerment, men see that as negative to them, but really they're negatively impacted by these things as well. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it infiltrates everything, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, all of these biases, even if they don't apply to you, you're still negatively impacted by them. Mm-hmm. And even if you are like something like say dieting, for instance, like, or wanting to make yourself smaller in some way, shape or form, internalizing all of that self-hatred and self-judgment, even if you think it's only affecting you, you probably are projecting unconscious bias against other mm-hmm. people just by living in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I like, I was a chubby kid and I've been like fat my whole life or like memorable life. So I, I don't think I've ever felt like close enough to thinness to have that be something that's achievable to me in my body and I've always felt like well that's just not gonna happen and I do remember being like young like maybe like six or seven and being like I know that I'm bigger than other kids and I know that that's a problem Mm. like to be solved and wanting to be smaller and I feel like in high school, it was like what, like in the fashion blog era Uh, and I started following like fat fashion bloggers and being like, oh my God, this exists. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. And like really getting like radicalized by Tumblr and (laughs) like (laughs) coming into my own. Title of the episode. Yeah. Radicalized by Tumblr. Yeah. Being like, did you know that there's injustice? I just found out. Like... (laughs) tumblr.com told me and it's really bad (laughs) i love that everyone has their origin story Mm. so i feel like i've I've had like a long journey accepting my own body and i feel like generally pretty grounded in who i am but i am getting married in may yeah congratulations thank you and i'm probably making my own dress i was gonna I don't want to like hard commit to it because I don't know 
what, what it entails. Is, yeah, I have some fabric. I don't. We're gonna see how it goes. Oh, do you have a vision? I have a vision. I can show you. I'll show you some pictures. Yay! <laughs> but I don't want to hard commit to it in case everything goes to shit. <laughs> but, I'm sure um, it'll be beautiful. I can't yeah, wait to yeah, see. That's um, incredible. And I know. Uh, sorry to like. Mm. really switch gears here but I know both Karen and I are interested how creativity is playing into the wedding process the wedding wedding planning planning. but I don't want to interrupt your thought I feel like you're in the middle I have have I feel like I'm gonna follow this thread and then we can reconnect yeah okay follow the thread we'll come back to this yeah with the (laughs) wedding planning I feel like one of the really nasty things of the wedding like industrial complex is like you need to lose weight for your wedding (gasps) you need to be the thinnest you've ever been on your wedding day because these are the photos that are going to exist forever and the thinnest you are is the most beautiful you'll ever be mm-hmm. and the most beautiful you'll, you'll ever be should be your wedding day yeah <laughs> right and right. so i and that's like who you are at your core is who yeah. you were on your wedding day <laughs> and dealing with like the chronic illness and the acute illness in the last year like my weight has gone up and down and i'm a little bit like higher of mm-hmm. a weight than i have been in the past so also like grappling with like oh like my body feels a little bit different and i have like gone through all of these things but I'm way healthier than I was when I was ill but I'm also heavier Mm -hmm. than I was when I was ill and all of the things that tell you like but that means you're not healthy yeah when in reality like this is a better weight for me to to be at yeah (laughs) and so trying to like reckon with that and then also with the little like demons that are like but maybe you need to lose weight because it's your wedding and that's what everybody says that you're supposed to do and mm-hmm. you need to be thin because that's and i'm like shoot, shoot, yeah cut it out yeah <laughs> no we already worked on this yeah, yeah. yeah it's a it's a constant right. thing those voices mm-hmm. never go away you just kind of go okay but yeah. uh, nice to hear yeah. from you bye-bye but like they're they're mm-hmm. there and being like so totally aware of the systems that are at work and making <laughs> me like feel these things and knowing that they're there and knowing that I like don't want to contribute to that, but then still having the thought of like, but maybe, yeah, like, like, maybe they're right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I will feel amazing. Yeah, maybe that's better. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to cut in because before we, before, I do want to know about your wedding mm-hmm. planning and the creativity there, but talking about all these, all these big issues that you talk about a lot on your Instagram page mm-hmm. and you're very open and candid and you're sharing your beautiful clothes, but you're also, <laughs> you know, having these messages and sharing articles, you know, very political. And I'm just wondering when that idea started, what, did you always want to do that with your Instagram? Kind of the advocacy and the education. advocacy and education mm-hmm. and also just like, yeah, having a public platform to even just to share your clothes and like you're saying, like having a, being inspired by mm. fat fashion bloggers yeah. in your teen years, you know, was that a conscious thing that you wanted to contribute to that conversation? Yeah. I feel like there was probably like a bit of an egg there of like, I could take pictures of my outfits and then put them <laughs> on the internet. Cause that's a thing that I've seen people do. And I think it's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really, yeah, I like, I started sewing in 2021 and then I got a job working at like a fabric retailer. I worked at Blackbird. I feel like this is going to, people will figure out where I worked. I worked at Blackbird (laughs) Fabrics in Vancouver. I'm not currently there anymore. Yeah, I started working there and they have like a pretty big social media presence. So I would like come into work and be wearing like an outfit with fabric that is from Blackbird. And they'd be like, can we take a picture of you and put it on our feed and like say what the fabric is and, you know, do marketing. Right. 
And so they would like tag people in the photos. So when that kind of started happening, I was like, maybe I should just have like a separate designated sewing Instagram instead of like just having my weird jumble private or like personal Instagram of like life things and also sewing and also <laughs> gig announcements <laughs> and also like shit posting <laughs> and just having it be like way too many things and also getting shown to like a hundred thousand plus followers of like a big account that like don't know me and aren't just mm-hmm. like oh I guess this person you went to high school with like found your Instagram like it's, <laughs> it's kind of blasting my personal Instagram mm-hmm. to like a wide audience so right. I had been kind of thinking about making a separate sewing Instagram just to like have it all in one spot. And then that kind of like propelled it. So I started posting and then I think I never aspired or like I don't feel like an influencer. It's really a space where I like to document things that I've made and like I write some long captions because <laughs> there's I'm putting like all my fabric notes and all of my pattern notes and like I made this alteration and did this and this and this thing because it's also kind of for me to look back on because mm. I'm kind of bad at documenting it on paper <laughs> so if I want to make the pattern again I'll like go back and look at my post and be like okay I did this and I took one inch out of the rise and I did this and I did okay cool like and figure it out again <laughs> nice nice it's your um, own catalog <laughs> so yeah that was kind of the intentions behind starting it and then it just felt disingenuous to like not post a little bit about social issues and things that I saw going on when I was like posting about that on my personal account which has like way fewer followers <laughs> it felt kind of weird to me to just be like here's a top everything's burning like yeah right <laughs> with no context right right There's like no... even though I was talking about that like on my other Instagram it felt weird to like not connect mm-hmm. yeah. the two Totally. Well, like just talking about, you know, clothes being self-expression and, Mm -hmm. you know, to have like a lack of personality or like any kind of other expression on the page Mm -hmm. feels a little maybe separate, disparate between something that's very personal. Yeah. And I I do still feel like it's a little bit curated. Like it's an, it's an Instagram account. Like it's not a hundred percent true to life all the time, but Mm -hmm. I want it to feel like representative of me enough. Like not that everything is amazing all the time Mm -hmm. and like everyone is doing great all the time and (laughs) I've never had hardship. (laughs) Right. Look at me just making these clothes, just pumping up this wardrobe that looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I feel like that was really important to me to like maintain humanity as much as possible because I think that's also something that gets stripped away if you have like a social media presence mm-hmm. like really quickly the humanity goes mm, totally that's a really good point yeah do you feel like you've built a community with the followers you have like is there a sense of community you know by posting yeah i think i have there are definitely like folks that i message and like i was just in helsinki with my job actually oh wow yeah. and i met up with someone who lives in helsinki because we met on my instagram that's oh, amazing and cool. like she was super nice and she knits and like i i've made like real connections mm-hmm. because of this like funny little sewing instagram that i decided to start <laughs> one day yeah i don't remember what the question was now just yeah. community yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like generally the sewing community is like very supportive and like people are in it for similar reasons. Like sewing is kind of a bit of a lost skill, Mm -hmm. I would say. Like, especially if you look at like a couple generations ago when all these vintage patterns like 50s and 60s patterns were coming out, that was aimed at like the average like domestic housewife. 
who had the skills to make those things. Right. And that's like not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And the average person now really maybe can sew on a button. Maybe. 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 Um, I sewed on my boyfriend's button to his pants backwards. So even <laughs> I'm <laughs> got it together. You know? <laughs> but just like the, the attrition of that skill is like so real and really fast. Mm-hmm. So I think the people who have looked for it again are generally kind of on the same page and have like an awareness of that and have an awareness of the systems that they are divesting from by yeah. making their own clothing. Yeah. And whether right. that's like divesting from fast fashion or from slave labor i mean that's part of fast fashion yeah, but yeah yeah whether like it's from like an environment, environmental standpoint or, or from human rights, human rights standpoint mm-hmm. yeah. or from like body acceptance standpoint mm-hmm. or yeah there's so many angles there's so many mm-hmm. there's so many ways that making your own clothes can be even if it's not like a, even if it's just a hobby <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's yeah, still totally. just this really positive like skill that you can build for yourself yeah and i don't make any money off of sewing i feel like i should also <laughs> pop that in like oh, it's sure. i like occasionally i'll like do a commission or something for a friend but mm-hmm. like the vast majority of it is just for me and i don't sell things and like it's it's not the pursuit of like capitalistic gain i think that's a really important like facet of it yeah yeah and so just kind of circling back to our wedding conversation and just (laughs) I'm gonna pose the pose the question to you again Mm -hmm. what have been sort of the most like creatively fulfilling aspects of planning a a wedding or maybe creatively challenging Mm -hmm. even yeah it's honestly been really fun so far um it's nice kind of like (laughs) like my job right now is also event planner so i'm like i'm planning a festival i'm planning a wedding it's planning all the way you know i think you can you know yeah Yeah. there's there's way fewer attendees at the wedding yeah (laughs) you've got a leg up on the on mm -hmm. on most people and you're only answering to yourself right yeah (laughs) Yeah. this is how i want it to be and cindy cindy die is helping me shout out to cindy Mm. we love cindy so she's future friend of the pod yeah, yeah. Yet, i know i feel like yeah. cindy's got to be in the podcast universe if she, like soon if oh yeah yeah good. we've talked about having mm. cindy on and i've talked to cindy about coming on with, yeah. with dean as well mm. so it's in, it's in the works it's in the <laughs> works yeah, yeah. Um, so she's also helping me out and i'm sure we're gonna have like a, a large number of and fans. for for listeners i mean already mentioned but cindy is also a member of sh- the shorties yes. of kaya mm-hmm. yes and yeah. she's an event planner yeah she or, has and she She's worked in nonprofit right. for event planning. She's worked at like music nonprofits. She's all around talented lady, great mm-hmm. friend. It was it was her birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday, happy Cindy! <laughs> Very belated when this happy comes birthday, out. Happy birthday, Cindy! I'm going to your house tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure she listens to this when it comes yeah. out. We're like really throwing, yeah. throwing it all out for Cindy. Um, but the wedding planning, yeah, has generally been fun so far. I feel like when it gets closer to the day, it's not going to be fun anymore. Where you got to um, like bring it down to the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. But right now it's still kind of big stuff. So it feels fun. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm queer and my partner is queer. And like, we're on the same page about like, this wedding does not need to be traditional in any Mm -hmm. way. It just is going to be a fun party. If this is going to be the most expensive thing we've ever bought, we want to have a really good time. Yeah. Yeah. and like we booked a tattoo artist to do tattoos at our wedding. Oh <laughs> my god! So she's making like a little flash sheet for us that That's has like so cool. little stuff for our wedding. That's and so cool. Like we've both gotten. I have four tattoos from her, and he has three. 
so we have nice. collectively like seven tattoos from this artist and she's super nice and like so cool. we're super excited to have her there that's so cool and like i make that's my a very cre- that's like, a very creative idea i've never heard that before yeah, yeah. i just heard that for the first time a couple of days ago so that's oh, wow. so neat that you you're bringing that up now yeah, that, yeah. that's such a co- interesting concept yeah we've really been trying to think about things that feel like representative to us that mm. are fun we're also we're like if we're gonna be spending like however many thousands of dollars on this wedding we'd like to give it to people that we know and like right totally. and like want to support their work yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally um, that's so we've been yeah really trying to brainstorm like things that are fun and different and like not necessarily in the wedding sphere of like what people think about right yeah that's yeah so cool. that's really yeah it's really nice when you can break away like actively be like you know what i am not mm-hmm. going to do these traditions mm-hmm. and then having that freedom to just come up with your own right rather than trying to like maintain or like uphold some mm-hmm. ideal of like what you think it needs to be right yeah just making mm-hmm. it true to you mm-hmm. that's awesome i can't wait to see the see the the pictures mm-hmm. see the dress see it all yeah. come Steph's together taking photos for us you know Steph Townsend yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah she did our one round of uh oh, photos yeah, yeah. on, on Neil's um like patio the yeah, alchemy yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah we've like got those done four years ago and we mm-hmm. still will use them for, <laughs> for shows mm-hmm. uh, it's cool she's she's also mm-hmm. very talented yeah. That's so awesome. again, we're just trying to pay our friends. Yeah. yeah. And like, it helps yeah. when you're in a creative field too. And you, yeah. your friends are just the people you would go to. When we started things. planning, I also realized like, wow, am I uniquely positioned to have friends who can do like every part of wedding? Cause they've got like musician friends <laughs> yeah. and sewing friends and like crafty yeah. DIY friends and like wedding planner friend. That's like, amazing. <laughs> that is so really, really cool. like leaning on the community also. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so good though. That's, it's such a nice way to like, you know, you're going to be bringing people together for the mm-hmm. day. So to be able to have that be part of the whole process rather than just like reaching Mm -hmm. out to people you don't know and having to like negotiate all these things like it's so much nicer when you can like you just said like supporting Mm -hmm. your supporting Mm -hmm. your community yeah Yeah, there are definitely going to be a couple like bachelorette or wedding shower events that are just I'm inviting people over and you have to help me make decorations. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, but there will be food and drink. <laughs> yeah. And You're thank you for people. your labor yeah, yeah. and your hands. <laughs> have so, you learned nothing from these <laughs> shitty paying gigs? <laughs> <laughs> this one's different. Friendship. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's friendship. It's friendship. <laughs> so Kai, it's been so lovely talking to you and I know we could keep talking for hours and hours, mm-hmm. but we got to wrap this up. So we're going to close out with our creative recommendations Mm -hmm. have you got a creative recommendation that you'd like to impart on our listeners and it actually didn't even come up earlier but my (laughs) my creative recommendation is this thing that i think i'm patenting this trademarked tm uh (laughs) it's it's a gremlin day (laughs) where and i was thinking about it because i did it yesterday i had a gremlin day but the requirements of a gremlin day are that you don't shower Mm-hmm. and you Done. don't leave your house <laughs> and you have to tinker <laughs> so okay. whatever hobby that is it's got to be like a little bit of tinkering mm. and you just do that all day does putzing count i feel like putzing <laughs> falls under the umbrella okay. yeah um you have to tinker and no natural light 
if possible. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the other requirements of Gremlin Day? I've also gotten my partner on board with the Gremlin Day because uh, nice. he makes like miniature models. Oh, <laughs> nice. nice. Um, so we had together. like, we, we call it parallel play. We had like oh. a parallel play Gremlin Day <laughs> in the cute. basement. It's really cute. <laughs> so I was like sewing basement. and That's he perfect. was like making, like gluing like tiny bushes to a placemat and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like the Gremlin Day is, is kind there, of like. Is there a food requirement for Gremlin Day? It's gotta be snacky. Yeah. I feel snacky. like you're not cooking a meal. Yeah. I feel like that. We has split to be an part entire bag of Trader Joe's popcorn and that was <laughs> breakfast. That was it. <laughs> so yeah, like it's, it's like a subset of like a self care day, but it's not like face mask, mm-hmm. like capitalistic self care. It's like regress to your truest form. Don't change out of the clothes that you slept in. Mm. That's an important requirement mm-hmm. of the gremlin day. Okay. But I feel like I need like one every couple of weeks to like survive and continue being a person yes. where I am just like recharging, doing a hobby, like nothing for any amount of capitalistic gain, no working, just like truly going into your little gremlin house and not leaving. Nice. I love this so much because mm-hmm. I <laughs> want to have those days all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having an actual name for it and being like, Kaya told me to do this yeah. will make me really do it a lot better. You can't I, do them all the time because then you start to go crazy and <laughs> you don't have fresh air. <laughs> yeah. then you but you need one like every once in a while. You need a really good like full gremlin day. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can really get behind that. Yeah. I'm going to give a couple of recommendations, not so much creative, but just if any listeners are curious about reading about body acceptance stuff or just like working towards dismantling anti-fat biases, (laughs) biases, (laughs) would really recommend, as I said earlier, Aubrey Gordon's work. So just to say those books again, what we don't talk about when we talk about fat and you just need to lose weight and 20 other myths about fat people. And then Christy Harrison's work, Anti-Diet, Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings, that is about kind of the racist roots of body ideals. Sorry, my brain is starting to die. (laughs) My brain is powering down. Concussion brain is really coming through. Yeah, white supremacist white supremacy. origins of like body ideals. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And then if you're interested in exploring intuitive eating, just eat it by Dr. Laura Thomas. Linked yeah. in the show notes. Well, link, yeah, <laughs> all linked in the show notes. And please go check out Kaya's sewing work. We're going to mm. share share Kaya's Instagram. And hopefully we'll be able to see that wedding dress in, in about yes. six months time yeah. or so. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. I am ready i am following i am yeah go follow so you don't miss it yeah (laughs) thank you so much kaya for coming on and talking to us you're so nice so lovely really i really really do (laughs) i've already said this but i really do appreciate and am very inspired by your makes and just the commentary behind it Mm -hmm. i think it's it's really special and i love I love when I see you pop up on my Instagram. So thank you. So thank you for uh, talking to us. Yeah. And Mm. listeners also stay tuned for uh, Kaya's podcast uh, contribution. (laughs) Yes. We'll explain more later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To be continued. (laughs) To be continued. Mm -hmm. And with that, this has been Vicarious. I'm Alex. I'm Karen. I'm Kaya. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.